Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. ready for this morning. So we kicked off in large. Hello all you onlineers. Good to see you. Well I can't see you but you can see me but you look great. Your PJs and your hot chocolates. Um, Alright so we kicked off in large a couple of weeks ago we talked about territory, spiritual inheritance. Last week we had Paul Bartlett talking about rethinking and if you weren't here I really recommend that you um, watch him online. Today we're talking about generations. Um, if you are new or newish, just sit back and um, take, take it all in. There's no pressure at all to give um, as you do your journey. If you've just rocked up on this morning, you've rocked up on a building offering morning, so there you go. So I want to ask you a question. Did, how did the last generation, your parents, position you and set you up for success and for your future? Each of you would give me a different answer. My dad helped all of us four kids get a deposit for a home. Sorry kids, I haven't done that for you. Um, but he also left me a spiritual, a strong spiritual legacy when my mum was diagnosed with schizophrenia. The doctor said to my dad, your wife will spend the rest of her life in an institution. My, his mum told him to leave my mum. He thought, what's the point of staying with Margaret? And uh, But my dad didn't quit. He stayed with my mum and the four of us kids he dragged to church every Sunday morning. My youngest sister was just one years old. And uh, so not only did he leave a financial legacy, but he's left a very strong spiritual legacy. So it is with this church. We have been given a spiritual legacy. Everything that you have from this church has been sown in by the generations before this building was given that building, this plot of land, because they sowed in. The friends that you have in the church, the experiences, the spiritual experiences, the strength of faith, the community of faith, everything, because the last generation didn't quit. Um, in Hebrews 11, it says this at the end. These were all commended. So it goes through all the heroes of the faith, Moses, Jacob, Isaac, and it said, these were all commended for the faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So that scripture is saying this, that they haven't still inherited their promise. Why? Because we haven't finished our race. When is a relay finished? Only when the last runner crosses the line. And we won't be finished, I won't be finished the race and all that won't be promised to me until the last runner crosses the line. You're not in a solo race. 
Scripture calls it a relay, handing down the baton of faith. And for me, there's an echo of the last generations, of the Moses, of the Abraham, of the David. They all had their struggles, but I can hear them, the great cloud of witnesses. And what are they saying? They're saying, Roz, run. Run. And don't quit. And what are Lola and Jack saying to me? Nothing much yet. I'm trying to get them to say Nan before they say Pa. <laughs> but I can, I want to run for them. And I've got to tell you, there's times this relay has been very wobbly. And there's been times I've wanted to drop it. But it's not according to the church. It's not according to how if I get hurt. It's not according to a fencer out there. It's according to the conviction I have of finishing my race. And I am not going to drop the baton of faith. For the Ethans and the Tanishas, I don't know where Tanisha is, that generation, I'm not going to drop the faith. It doesn't matter if I've got kids or not got kids. I'm not going to drop the baton of faith for the next generation. And I want to encourage you this morning. That's what this morning is about. We're going to have four people come up and share about the generations. We are a beautiful, multi-generational church. You sometimes need to rock on to the 5pm, bring your earplugs. But it's incredible to watch the next generation. And they need you and I. And I need the generation above me. So, um, that's it. And I wanted to say one thing. Some of you come along to church and you're the only ones in your family left with the faith baton. You're the only ones. And I want to say to you, well done. Every Sunday morning getting up, your husband or your wife or your kids, and you've got to get in that car and go by yourself. I want to say, well done. You're really brave. And you are going to be, I believe, the pathway, the bridge that one day they walk across back to faith. So don't quit. Don't you dare quit. (laughs) This morning we're going to hear hear from four incredible people in our church that have not quit. We're going to hear from Sharon Faith, who is a pastor and elder at a church. Usually she's serving coffee. We're going to hear from her daughter, Katie Sinclair, who is over our pastoral care. And then we're going to hear from Hayley. And how old are you, Hayley? Nine. Hayley's going to tell us about why she loves church. And then we're going to hear from Ben, Haley's dad, who Ben and Mel lead our family's department. And we've got a baton. So if I was a really good singer, I'd sing Chariots of Fire. But really, singing is the same category as art for me. No good. Um, so Shaz, come up. Da, 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 da. Take the baton. Thanks, Rose. Hang on, just get all the bits and pieces together. I've got notes so I don't go over my five minutes. Um, how good is Enlarge Offering Day? Just something really, I don't know, there's something really sacred about it. So um, do, I, do I have to hold that the whole time? Okay, awesome. Don't roll. <laughs> gonna, gonna get really, really clumsy. <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> I was just uh, chatting to Brett Watson before the service and I said it only occurred to me yesterday that I'm the old one in this race. The token... Anyway. But I'm okay because we've come off uh, Steve Blake and then Paul Bartlett and then 
So, hello. Hello, Paul, if you're watching our service again. Can I move around or are we... Yeah. Oh, awesome. Not that I move around much, but... <laughs> so we're talking this morning about the generations and we are using the um, analogy of the relay race. So um, I have to tell you my sporting prowess consists of winning a three-legged race when I was eight and beating my son in a swimming race when he was eight. So I had to Google the rules of the relay race and the baton change. And, um, oh, you know, you think it's really simple. If you watch the Olympics and you watch the relay race, it looks pretty straightforward. You think, yeah, I could do that. You've got to run for a bit, pass the baton on to the next person. But um, it's a bit complicated. So it's run by a team. It's always a team of runners. It's not just a solo race. The first runner carries a baton. Just bear with me if you already know all this stuff. After running a specified distance, the runner hands the baton to the next team member and timing is crucial. Okay, if you pass it too soon and they're not ready, you're out. If you hang on to it too long, you get disqualified. There's a zone for passing the baton. So, um, yeah, I, it's, it's complicated. It's not necessarily won by the team that runs the fastest. Hey, Johnny Collar. Hey, I'm just going to get distracted now because I remember coming to this church a long time ago, 31 years. And we were over in the cafe and John's parents were here, um, John, um, Henry and Victoria, along with a whole row of their peers still here at the time. And um, they, had, they had built the church we were sitting in in the 70s. Correct, John? It was this... The 70s, when that church was built, that one. And uh, well, my first impression was, wow, that carpet's got to go. <laughs> but it was, it, they'd been sacrificed. It was beautiful old Axminster carpet, which we probably can't afford today. Um, oh, that's Axminster. Oh, there you go. That's for you, Victoria. And, um, yeah, but... It, it, There'd been sacrifice involved in that, and they didn't build it for themselves. They built it for us, you know. And uh, yeah, it was just an amazing thing to be able to walk into. And that's, I think, that that heart for the next generation has been something that's been passed on in this church in Macquarie. We have a heart to set the next generation up well. Um, so races, relay races, are won and lost in the passing of the baton. They can be disqualified by a bad pass. Passing the baton is essential to win the race. That's why it's so important that we don't drop it, that we don't drop the baton for the next person on the team. So the Bible's sprinkled with examples of passing the baton from one generation to the next, and Ros mentioned a few. Moses to Joshua, passed the baton. David to Solomon. Elijah to Elisha. Jesus to disciples. He, Jesus... He's still in heaven, but he left us with a command. Go into all and preach the gospel, you know, make disciples. That's a baton. That's a baton pass. That's, that's what we carry. That's our mandate. And, and Paul to Timothy. It's not enough to run the race. We must also pass our mission on to the next generation. We have to pass on sound doctrine is one side of it. So be faithful to sound doctrine. Donna's going to keep us all on in line with our doctrine. Um, but we have to live the life. The other side of that coin is actually living the life of, of faithfulness and um, not just talking the talk. 
Um, my mum, hey mum, mum makes great fruitcakes. I'm one of seven children, so she makes us all a fruit, big fruitcake for Christmas, plus a few other special people. And I won't tell you who they are in case you get a bit jealous, but she starts in about, she's already talking about making, starting the fruitcake, so she starts in about July, and, and I'm the oldest, so mine's the first one, so it's fabulous by Christmas time. Um, I've never made a fruitcake, ever. I've watched mum make fruitcake for years, but I have the recipe. Now, I know she's given the recipe out to a few people, but there's more to it than the recipe, Roz, in case you've got a copy of the recipe. So when mum uh, gets tired of making the fruitcake, I'm going to let her teach me how to do it. Actually, not just read the recipe, but show me how to do it. So that's a bit like passing the baton on and not just here's the recipe, here's the mission, but sticking around and showing them. So that's for me, that's what the baton change will look a little bit like that for me in the next in the next zone, the next part of the run. I think um, relay race is not necessarily... So it has a start and a finish. And I ask kind of does too, but when I pass a baton on, I'm also taking hold of another baton. So I think we're always in that thing of, you know, passing one baton on, taking up another baton. So I don't know exactly what that'll look like for you or for me, but I think um, if, we, if we do well... Um, we'll have a baton to pass on continually. So Jesus handed the baton to the disciples and they ran a good race. They passed the baton. The fact that we're still here with sound doctrine, preaching the gospel, making disciples, means that the baton has been passed on faithfully through generations. It's too important to drop it. This is our baton. In Romans 1.16 it says, For I'm not ashamed of the good news about Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of, of God at work, saving everyone who believes. That's, that's about as complicated as it gets. That's what, that's what our mission is. That's what our baton is. 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says, But we have this treasure in, in clay jars. We've got this treasure in earthen vessels. Um, so while we carry something, it's God's faithfulness ultimately that we rely on. Uh, when I heard the gospel at 15 years old of age, it changed my life. I had an auntie who'd been praying for me faithfully for years. And um, I thought she was a bit of a nutcase, really, to be honest. Um, she's not. She just loved God with all her heart, soul and mind. And um, she just she treated me with absolute love and kindness. And at 15, when I actually heard the gospel for the first time... It literally changed my life. Um, the truth is that no generation stands independent of its predecessor or those that follow. Generations overlap and each generation is equipped with men and women created for that generation. I can't do for this generation what this generation can do for itself. Um, so, you know, we can't hang on to things that we're not equipped for, but we, we just have to let God use us in whatever part of that race we're in so the generation that passed the baton on to me did so with grace and dignity and um, I'm sure a little bit of trepidation uh, hope they don't drop this it's a treasure um, but they stayed around and they cheered us on and they encouraged us with uh, with with words and with with wisdom and with resource and they set us up to do 
everything that we were meant to do in that time. So my prayer is that we can do as well passing the baton on to this generation as what was passed on to us. So I'm going to get ready to pass this baton on. Don't drop it, Katie. I don't know which way I'm supposed to run. I didn't get that far in the instructions, but anyway, I think I'm just going to go down. Oh, okay, right. Thanks, Mum. That's great. That's good. And I'm lucky to have such a great mum and dad. My dad just leaned over and kissed me and said, I'm prou- I hope you know I'm proud of you. And Thanks, Dad. Um, so I remember that first Sunday being in this church, and I was actually about Haley's age. I was probably nearly nine. It wasn't this building. It was the old building. And I remember the first Sunday feeling like I was home, even as a nine-year-old girl just felt like it was home. And that is our prayer for you, that you, whoever you are, that you know you belong in the church, um, that you are, every generation is so valuable, um, and that we are part, we all make up together the body of Christ. So, um, yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for being part of the church. When I was in my late teens, um, somebody asked me what it was that made me follow after God like I did. Why was I a teenager or coming to the end of my teens and still p- passionate about God and still following him? And my answer um, would still be similar today to what I said then. It was that my parents um, had set a great example for me, that they loved God, they loved the church. And, um, yeah, it's kind of, I, I had them to look after, uh, um, follow after and so my answer today would still be the same it would be not only my parents but all of the generations that have gone before me all the people in the church and I look at families and people that have been here since I was there on that first day and I'm just so grateful for the example that was set and that is still being set um, by those people Psalm 78 says this open your ears to what I'm saying For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from the past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them even the children not yet born, and they in turn will teach their own children. And I love this bit. So, each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. We all need the generations that have gone before us. Sure, the Holy Spirit speaks to us afresh because we've got a living relationship with God, but it is the faithfulness of the generations gone before us that encourages us in our faith, especially in our most hard times. On Vision Sunday, I'm going to quote Rosie. Ros challenged the older ones, and then she went on to say, we're all older than somebody. So we're all older ones. Even Haley. Haley's an older one to my daughter Hannah, who's three. And she said this, we are a generational church, and if you're older, I pray you stay strong so you don't die empty. Give to the next generation. You have wisdom, experience, humility, you're resilient, you have taken knocks and you can be warm and relational. And then she said, they're not looking for someone cool, they're looking for someone warm. 
I'm like, oh, I know Jill really got a lot out of that. Jill Milton, where are you here somewhere? She was like, oh, I don't have to be cool. I just have to be warm. And I'm like, that's it. That's, you know, the church. It's, our, it's that warm embrace. Um, I know sometimes I, after the service, I look around and I see people younger than me, like, you know, Tanisha or Haley, Hallie, and I, I, th- I think, oh, I don't have anything to offer them. You know, I'll just go and talk to my friends because that's comfortable. I'll go and chat to my friends and ask them about their week. But if I listen to the Holy Spirit prompting and I get out of my comfort zone and have a conversation with a younger person or older, it goes both ways, often I go away from that conversation feeling more blessed and hopefully I just encourage them. So, I don't know, can I just challenge you after the service or before the service, just take those little moments to chat to someone that you wouldn't actually just chat to. Um, step out of the comfort zone. Um, so I've got four children, um, ranging from 11 to 3, and I want to thank you as a church for taking the time to love them. Um, I see people stop them and talk to them. You know, how was your day? Um, how was your week? What's your favourite subject? Or what's your worst subject? Um, I see people making jokes with them. Rosie's always been so fun with my kids. You know, scooter rides at state conference. You name it, she's there. Um, And also the people that serve in the kids' ministry. You make such a difference to my kids, and I'm so thankful. Um, I don't know if you know, but I'm a nurse, and I... um, It's a great job, except for the poo. Oh, my gosh, the poo at the moment. I feel like there's poo everywhere. Um, (laughs) Turned everyone off being a nurse, right? Um, So I've been a nurse for 12 years. So you think, wow, you've got a fair bit of experience. But when I arrive on my shift... And there's a more experienced nurse than me and I'm not in charge. The relief, oh my gosh, the relief that I feel is amazing because I've got someone more experienced than me. Somebody I can ask questions when I'm unsure because I don't know everything. Someone that I know that if there was a medical emergency, I'm not going to be in charge. I'm going to be a team member and I'm going to help. And oh my gosh, the sense of relief. I actually pray most times on the way to work. God, I pray there's someone more experienced than me there today. But you know what? Also, we've got student nurses And they come in and they're fresh and they're passionate. And I love that because I get to encourage them. I get to give them opportunity to gain experience. And I love that as well. And the church is the same. We have people that have experience and they've been through lots of hard things and they've stayed faithful to God. And we have young people that are passionate with their ideas. They don't know that life's going to get hard sometimes and they're going to have to hold on to God. But I love that. We are the church. So I'm nearly finished going to get Hay to come up in a minute. Um, last week, if you're here, Paul Bartlett challenged us to not just be church attendees, but to make disciples. Um, and that was really good because we can come to church. And you know, I think most of our church aren't just church attendees. I think most of our church genuinely do make disciples. And he said this, he said, to make a disciple, it means walking out your faith alongside others, asking good questions and having conversation. And if you think of Jesus when he was on earth, that's what he did. He just walked around talking to people, having conversations, asking them questions and um, having good conversations that pointed to God. And um, that's what he wants us to do. So we need each other. The people that have gone before me, Debbie Sherwood, Rosemary and Graham, my nan, um, we value the church needs your wisdom, your encouragement, your God-given strengths and gifts, your prayer your friendly embrace, your faith stories, and your love for our kids. 
and the next generations. Beck, <laughs> Haley, Abby, we love you guys. We love your passion. We love your new ideas. We love your love for Jesus. We love your simple faith, your contagious joy, your never-ending energy, your hunger for the Word and the Holy Spirit, and we love your fun. So we need each other. So on that note, I'm going to hand over to an amazing, beautiful girl. She's brave and caring, and her name is Haley Hoffman. Give her a big clap. There you go, hey. You want to put it on there? So I'm going to hold this microphone while Hay speaks and move that a bit out of the way. Yeah, hey. Good morning. Why is the new building important to me? The new building would give Matt kids a wonderful new space to use. God says in the Bible in Matthew 19, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. God wants children to love him and learn about him. A new building will give us more space to learn about God, discover who God has created us to be and teach us how to love others. A new building will also give us more room to play and connect with our friends and that kids leaders. I would feel excited to invite my friends to church if we had a new building. I would feel proud of the new building and want to show my friends. It would be great to have a safe and nice building to invite them to. I'd love them to be a part of our church family too. I think friends would want to keep coming back if we had a new building and then they would invite their friends too. The new building would help us grow our church family and reach the outside community as well. The new building would also give us a great outdoor space to use. We could do activities outside in God's creation and enjoy the fresh air. We could also use this space after the service to play with our friends. What do I love most about church? Learning about God, meeting new friends, having friends to grow up with and share life with. Playing fun games, I also love the biscuits after the service. I feel so happy that we belong to such a wonderful church. Thank you for letting me share with you today. Haley's going to pass the button to her dad. Well, proud, proud dad moment right there. Thanks. Thanks, Haley. Well, it's great to be in church this morning. And I have a lot on my heart, um, but I'm relying on the Holy Spirit to, to lead me this morning and share with you guys. Um, and I had all these notes prepared and I, I printed it out and, and God gave me Two, two words, it was generational faith and generational presence. And I, I actually haven't written down in pen because I, he gave it to me at the last minute and I think that's what he wants me to talk on this morning. Um, and what it is is um, we can't have generational faith without generational presence. And, and what I mean in a practical sense is, is you guys being present 
with younger people than you, basically. So the older generation present with the younger generation or generations. Um, because me, as a 40-year-old next, next year, I need your spiritual maturity. I need your spiritual wisdom. Um, I need you championing, championing on, us on, you know. Um, and and Shaz mentioned the, 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 the changeover of the bat and how it's so vitally important. You can run fast, but if you don't change over well, you lose the race. And the church is in that, that changeover. It's the Mark and Roz generation changing over to the generation similar to mine. And we've got to get it right. We've got to get it right. But I want to say that, that your race is not over. We need you to do one more lap for us because we, we can't do it alone. We're, we're happy to carry the weight and we'll carry as much as the weight as possible. Um, but we, we need you doing one more lap. And what, what, is, what does that look like in a practical sense? So uh, just, just really simple things. So we've got Minimax and, and Mac Kids um, where a lot of them might not have spiritual grandparents, might not have spiritual parents. But just by your presence being around them, it just sows little seeds. It just sows something into their life. Or you might get to know them a little bit, know their names as they walk around church and, and just pray for them. We're not, we don't want you to be, you know, or do all this serving or anything like that, but just where your, where your heart is and where you go, you know what, I can probably, probably help there. I can, I can do that a little, a little bit. So, yeah, yeah, I do want to challenge you a little bit that, you know, we, when it passes to us, it's not, oh, that generation, you take it. We've done it for the last, last we've done it long enough. It's, not, it's, it's we, we need you. We need you to keep running. Um, so, so where am I in, the, in this race? Um, and so I've been running a race with God for quite, a, for quite a while. I've been a Christian my whole life um, and, and great uh, spiritual parents and, and grandparents and all the rest of it. Um, so my race has been with God, but it hasn't been for God. So God has been always, always there, but He's more been on the, on the sideline. So I think my race for God is just, just beginning. It's, it's, yeah, I, I feel it in my heart that it's, all right, yeah, let's go um, for God, for you. And what, and what that looks like is, is, a, is, a, is a faith step. It's, it's, it's a journey. It's, it's putting away things of this world and, and going, I don't need that in my life. I can look to you, God, for, for that. Um, so it's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's not the worldly view. It's the godly view. Um, what does it mean for me to carry the baton of faith? It means that it's a great deal of responsibility. So I have a wife, I have kids, um, and I want to carry it well for them. Um, I want to carry it the best I can for them. Um, and I, but I also want to carry it the best I can for God because God um, positions us all in, in areas um, where our gifts are. 
um, and, and, and I want to do it for God. Um, and then which one of these people? So um, in, in, chapters, in, chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, um, it taught, I just want to just quickly, just briefly from the, from the Passion Translation. In the NIV, it, it mentions 17, 17 times that by faith, by faith. But I like the Passion because it, it just gives these descriptive words. So faith moved Abel. Faith translated Enoch. Faith opened Noah's heart. Faith motivated Abraham. Sarah's faith embraced. And it goes on, faith prompted the parents of Moses at his birth to hide him for three months. Faith enabled Moses to choose God's will. Faith stirred Moses. Faith opened the way for the Hebrews to cross the Red Sea. Faith pulled down Jericho's walls. Faith provided a way of escape for, for, for Rahab. And then it go, goes on a bit further, and then it goes, then uh, these other people endured great atrocities, but still they didn't deny their faith. They were mocked, they were severely beaten, they were killed by stoning, they lost everything they possessed, they were cruelly mistreated, and yet their faith stood strong. Now, they didn't all lead perfect lives, um, and, the, and the, the one that resonated with me um, was, was Abraham. Um, I've got a son called Isaac too, so reading that, it really does resonate in my life. Just that story of, of Abraham, and it, and it was the, the promise that God made that he, was, he, he could do, get to that point where I can do this because God's going to raise my, my son from the dead. Um, and I love the parallel um, to the Christ story as well. Um, and there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, but these heroes of faith, um, and Ros touched on it in, in verse 39, and it will come up on the screen there. These were the true heroes commended for their faith, yet they lived in hope without receiving the fullness of what was promised to them. But now God has invited us to live in something better than what they had, and it's this faith's fullness. So, you know, they never got to see Christ, you know, in the new covenant. Um, and, and we have that. We, we have this faith's fullness where we can look to Christ and what he endured on the cross and go, wow. But it wasn't just that. So they had, had Christ. And, and the other thing is, is the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit was with them and would come upon them, but the Holy Spirit was not in them. And we have the Holy Spirit in us, able to lead us forward in faith, in the journey. So we must, if we bring up the next two, and, and this is more, it goes into chapter 12 of, all right, well, how, how do we keep that baton of faith? How do we um, hold on to it? And it goes on. As for us, we all have these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin we so fully, easily fall into. And then it says, then. So then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has been already marked out before us. So there is this path that God has marked out for us. And we've got a decision whether we choose that path. So we choose the godly path or we choose the worldly path. Um, and it's marked, marked out before us. And it sense to run that race, we've got to, the sin that entangles us, we've got to let go of that. The wounds, 
We've all got wounds. We've got wounds from hurt, from church life, from family members. And so my encouragement today is think about what God is, is laying on your heart this morning. Go, you know what? That thing, I've got to let go of that. I've got to hand that over to God so that I can, I can hold this baton of faith and be able to pass it on to the next generation. It is, it is, it is so, so very important. Um, yeah, so we have, have these tools and I'm, I am out of time, so I've, I've got, to, got to switch. But I just, yeah, I just want to encourage you that there's good days ahead. The best season is yet to come. In this church, do not doubt for a second what God can do, what the Holy Spirit can do. The best season is, is ahead. And you, and you may fear of what, what this transition looks like, what this new generation might look like. But God is control. This changeover period is, is God-ordained. And it's a step of faith by Mark and Roz. You've got to look at that, and it's a step of faith. Now, it's not easy leading a church for 30 years and going, all right, you go. It cannot be easy. But we, we thank you um, for that step of faith um, because, yeah, the things on hearts of this generation, I believe it's deep in the heart of, of you guys as well. But we're boldly willing to, to step out into God's calling and go, let's go. But we need you championing us on. Praise God. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.